0: Um, you know some directors for whatever reason they came and talked to me and my parents Uh, first they talked to the school uh, took permission and then they talked to me and my parents and um, you know I was like yeah I mean I I had no clue of what's going (laughs) to happen absolutely no clue and I just said yes
1: welcome to improv interviews with Margot Escott a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host Margot Escott.
2: Siddharth Venkatesh is my yes. guest today. Thank you. <laughs> and do I you remember where? On... Hi. And is it about is it evening your time right now?
0: Yeah, it's eight fifteen PM. Um, okay. In the
2: evening, yeah. Not too late. So okay. uh, I am so excited you're my guest today because you are quite an influencer in the global improv movement and making incredible strides to bring improv to all kinds of communities. So I, I'm trying to do you remember where we met? Was it through Jay Suko or was it another workshop?
0: It was a workshop, but I forgot because I've attended so many. Um, It was a workshop, though. (laughs) That's all I remember.
2: And then you spoke spoke at a workshop for the BIPOC, Black
0: Improvisors. Yeah. So that was, um, it it was called uh, uh, Uncolonized, and it was led by Stephanie Ray, who was uh, in in your podcast, I think, a few uh, weeks ago. And she's brilliant. Um, uh, yeah, Yeah, and I was a part of that, and I was lucky that she invited me there.
2: No, she was lucky to get you, um, and I love Stephanie, <laughs> she's, she's terrific, um, sure. and so what I'd like to do though, because you've been interviewed a lot, I've been searching, <laughs> looking at all the different interviews, and I'm determined to make this one somehow different, but we'll see, but I want to start back with your childhood, talking a little bit about, you know, what part of India you grew up in, you're in Bangalore now, um, yeah. But where you grew up um, and what your family was like, was it traditional? Um, what kind of, cha- have you had any challenges as a kid um, mm. or, you know, it, what you were like in your family? So if you could talk about that for a little yeah. bit, I know people would like to hear that.
0: Cool. Um, so firstly, I'm excited to be here, Margo. Thanks so much for uh, inviting me. Um, yeah, so right now I'm in Bangalore, which is in the southern part of India. Um, I was, um, so my parents used to work in banks Um, And the general tendency in India is every three years or four years, I used to get transferred to different locations. Um, So I was born in the east of India, in a place called Calcutta, then moved to the west, to Bombay. Um, So I've been all over the place. Then I came down to South, Bangalore, then went to Delhi, then again east-west. So I've done that a couple of times. Um, I've sort of uh, circled through India, at least the four metropolitan cities as such, um, a couple of times um, was you know,
2: that difficult, was it difficult for you as a child moving to different cities some bigger much bigger than others mm-hmm. I imagine or some smaller yeah, yeah
0: so so one thing that I remember that was uh, slightly difficult because uh, you know at that point of time there was no obviously internet or email or anything of that sort and I used to lose out on friends because the only way to keep in touch was say writing letters or something and that sort of didn't stick on. Um, but luckily, uh, what happened is once the Facebook thing got on, uh, you know, late 2010s or something like that, um, I was able to meet a few of my very, very close friends whom, uh, with whom I had done my schooling, my schoolmates and all. So I, I found them online. Um, yeah, but otherwise it was, I wouldn't say it was tough, it, it, um, but, it you know, I just ended up making um, uh, friends every time I moved. Um, And I was not very, um, so I'm I'm an introvert and extremely sort of shy and, you know, in my shell. Uh, So it's not very easy to make friends. So I used to have very few close friends, like a handful. Um, And wherever I used to go, that would be the case, you know, like just like four or five people really close. And then everybody else is just general acquaintances as such. Is it safe to say you grew up in a more, did
2: you grow up in a traditional family or... Were you um, once by the West? With the, how, what um, was your family like, and how many people um, were in your family?
0: So it's just me and my parents. Uh, you know, so so so, uh, so where I was born um, in the eastern Calcutta. Uh, so my mom's family, uh, you know, was sort of settled there. Uh, so my grand, like my mom's side grandparents, were there. So you know, it was almost like a, a semi joint family because we, although we had our own space, just one or two blocks away, but I used to almost spend most of my time at my grandparents because with my aunts and everybody. Um, So, but when we started uh, moving after that, uh, based on the transfers, that time, obviously, we were just a nuclear family, Um, you know, just uh, my parents and me. Um, And yeah, I think, uh, yeah, traditional is is a very right way of describing it. Um, Yeah, not much of, western influence till probably i came to college uh 2000 uh, yeah maybe 2000s also um you know not much of i mean used to see it on tv and such but it really hit you when people around you are also like that um you know yeah but otherwise i think i mean we have had mtv uh you know i was just reminiscing the other day um and I was looking at something online and I found this song, which I had heard way back in 95 or 96. Um, <laughs> uh, that was one of those uh, r and sort of songs. And I, I was hooked on to it for whatever reason. I couldn't understand anything out of it, but I was hooked on it. And then suddenly uh, I, you know, I found it again uh, a couple of weeks back. Yeah. So there were Western influences, but not something that would uh, permeate your daily life because that was uh, driven by, you know, uh, not parents
2: and so, traditions. So, so as a youth, as a child in elementary school and then high school, were you interested in the arts, music or acting or anything like that?
0: Yes, yeah, so I have dabbled in. Um, so, my, so my mom. Um, OK, so let me just sort of give a context. So generally in India, what happens is, especially in South Indian families, um, you know, many of the South Indian families, there's a huge uh, influence of music. Um, it's 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 uh, you know it's it's just it's like even while singing lullabies etc. It's it's a part of the classical Carnatic music style as well. Um, you know, in many cases, uh, apart from folk, of course. But yeah, so I always had um, you know music was always there in my ears, and I remember my mom. Uh, my mom tells me about my grandmother, that is her mother, that she used to play the violin. Uh, um, uh, for a very royal sort of a family or a rich family uh, you know they used to have concerts and she used, she was very well trained uh, and she used to play the violin so that music thing was already there um, you know the the interest in music was there so I tried to learn different instruments the violin and I tried to do a little bit of vocal and I, it, didn't, it didn't happen um, then the music sort of uh, you know it, it came to the side and in between um, I got opportunities when I was in school, uh, when I was in fifth grade or so, to act in in a TV series about children. Um, you know, so I did a couple of those. Um, and wow,
2: that's, that's interesting. Now, were you in any Bollywood films?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Luckily, no. Uh, so this is actually a regional... regional um, Uh, so so at that point of time when I was young also I had a stint in Bangalore like my father was transferred here once before as well so um, you know so it it sort of randomly came up I don't even remember how in the sense I remember that people uh, you know directors or whomever came to our school and wanted a lot of children to be in a background for their movie wherein you know the uh, heroine is dying and the hero is crying or something like that and Apparently, the heroine is a teacher in that movie, so we—they needed all these children to say bye. So we were in the uh, you know background. So it started off something like that, uh, and then I started meeting. Uh, uh, I met a couple of people, um, you know, some directors. For whatever reason, they came and talked to me and my parents. Uh, first, they talked to the school, uh, took permission, and then they talked to me and my parents. And um, you know, I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I had no clue of what's sort going of to happen. <laughs> Uh, absolutely no clue, and I just said yes. Uh, and it turned out to be an audition for uh, this TV series uh, of kids. Um, in, basically, it's uh, like, uh, young kids who are playing, and you were mischievous and all that stuff. Um, and I did that. Um, and I, I loved it. Yeah. i
2: sorry. Excuse me. I was going to say, so you had a recurring role in a TV series.
0: Yes. So um, I was... Play- Unbelievably, I was playing an antagonist. So, so basically, this there was this young kid who was writing his diary and reminiscing about his friendship with me. And I was this mischievous sort of a kid who was to always put both of us in trouble. And that was so anti what I am because I'm absolutely not that way. At least when I was young, I wasn't that way at all. So it was quite a, <laughs> an experience.
2: Wow. Yeah, because you describe yourself as an introvert. So even you know, acting and being on film and being in TV, that was quite a stretch for you in terms of your personality, I guess. But you did
1: it.
0: Yeah. Um, And I actually liked it uh, because, you know, it was so fun and lighthearted and the people, uh, at least what I remember of it, people around were so helpful, um, you know, and they were always making fun and keeping the uh, environment light, um, you know, and making the, uh, uh, while, while making and shooting. Um, and also, I got to meet a few of the people. Uh, like, obviously, we see TV serials, right? And I found few of them coming as guest characters in my series and I was like amazed that oh, I've seen this person on TV, and now I'm acting with him, sort of thing. So, yeah, it was fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> is that series still available online, or is there a way to look at it at all?
0: Oh, no, I, I no, um, it was so way back, so they basically had those. Um, I think it was VHS sort of tapes or, or you know, roles, basically, when they yes, do it. Yes. Um, and I have no clue because I didn't have any, uh, like, either email or anything of the director or whatever, um, you know. So, yeah, so we don't know if it exists at all.
2: <laughs> that is really cool. So, what now, were you still in high school then or younger?
0: Yeah. High school. Uh, fifth, fifth, yeah, sort of fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade, sort of, yeah.
2: Wow, that is really interesting. So then what happened next when you were in high school? Did you start taking acting Did they offer no. acting classes? <laughs> and if, if so, I put somebody who went to a, a school system where there were no acting classes at all?
0: Yes, there weren't any acting classes here. Um, you know, so, uh, so so India in that sense, um, you know, there are so diverse schools. Uh, you know, some schools might not even have a playground and they might, you know, speak. Some schools, you know, they'll just use a field or something of that sort. Uh, I mean, depending on where the school is, et cetera. So we didn't have anything regarding acting, Um, you know, and also I was uh, like a semi-studious student. Uh, I was more inclined academically at that point of time, Uh, you know, that, that, uh, yeah, way back. Um, And so I was more concerned with that. And I always took this as just one, um, you know, almost like a blip, because it, it just came my way and I didn't sort of, um, from my side, it wasn't deliberate as such to pursue it as such. So I just took it, took things as they came. Um, and, uh, you know, but after that, what happened, I remember is, uh, so I had another small uh, second series that happened, but I don't remember much of it. But that was, I think, just six weeks uh, or like a half a year, uh, six episodes. Um, and then my dad got transferred again. So we moved. So this this life was just left behind, and you sort of uh, you know <laughs> re- restarted from scratch in the new place.
2: <laughs> so did your acting continue, or did you have other focus? Like were you involved in sports as well as school and being? Yes. Um,
0: yeah. So so when uh, so from that point of time when I went, so I went to the north of India in Delhi, um, you know, and I was there for I think three four years. So. That was one of the schools, uh, so it's called SPS, Salman. Anyway, I'm not sure if they are going to listen to this, but um, so the reason I'm telling that is it's, it was the first school for me that had all the aspects of school, like extracurricular activities, uh, music, uh, it had a huge playground, like a, a field for football and cricket, basketball, and as well as they had, um, you know, theater and acting and all this stuff. So it was the first time that I was exposed to something that was so holistic and you could just basically pick and choose what extracurricular activities you could do. Um, and I remember um, uh, even in school, I got selected for a couple of plays. Um, so I, I'm not sure if you know the story. It's, it's called Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. I'm not sure. It's, it's like a. I'm sorry. Those, what was that? Uh, well, I'm sorry. I couldn't quite hear. What was it called? It was called, so it's called Ali Ali Baba and the 40 Thieves. Uh, It's it's like a typical, like a famous sort of thing.
2: Of course, of course. I just couldn't hear it at first. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 So I was one, I was the lead thief in that.
2: (laughs) Wow, that's (laughs) impressive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, like uh, henchmen or whatever you call them. Yeah. And that was, uh, that play was on our school annual day. So we had a lot of practice for that and, you know, costumes and, you know, that was uh, amazing. Um, yeah, but apart from that, um, then I obviously got into studies because I never thought of this as a career option. Um, because it, at least from what uh, the background that we come in, it's always uh, doctor engineering. You know, you, you just need to figure out how to get a job and settle down. That's that's yeah, about it. So, so I was what not did, what did, inclined.
2: So what did you pursue when you went to college?
0: So I went. I I started uh, studied engineering. Um, You know, in fact, I'm still in the same line uh, that I I studied. Um, You know, so I studied engineering about production, manufacturing, and stuff. Uh, And currently, I I am yeah doing something similar.
2: (laughs) So, um, you know, when I think of India, I've never been. I would love to go. Um, Mm. My father was a pilot with Pan American. I don't know if that was around Mm. still when you're growing up. And traveled many places. It brought me lovely things back from India, but I think of India and the cities that you've lived in as so populated, so many people. And yeah. I, I just wonder what it was like growing up with so many people, or did you live on the outside of the cities, not? No,
0: no, hard, absolutely hard of the city every time. Um, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I think only if you go outside of the city to a town, probably that's the population might be slightly less. But right now the urban population is huge. Like you get millions and millions of people everywhere, uh, especially in the, you know, the, the uh, capital city or cities of every state. The urban population is huge. Um, so, but it was just normal because uh, you, know, you, would have, you would be in a uh, so if I tell that to kids now, some, some I mean, if you tell it to my nieces and nephews, and they would be like surprised. But we used to have 60 people in a class by well, studying six, zero. At one wow. point of time. we used to just have so many people because you know um, there weren't enough teachers to split that between 30 and 30 um, you know some times it was like that uh, but it was just part because it wasn't something or we were never used to something that was like you know 10 people or something such that this would feel you know weird so it was just a part of our normal life and get used to it um, yeah but there's too many people <laughs>
2: you <laughs> are now um i'm going to take it that your parents working with banks etc and being able to travel were more of a privileged class can i is that correct as opposed to i always think of the poverty i think of mother teresa i think yeah, of people yeah. slammed into those trains on top of the right. trains and overflowing
0: yeah so so um yeah so that is good so so Um, I think for a lot of time when I was growing up, uh, we would, I mean, still now, but we would consider ourselves as uh, what we say is middle class. So we weren't uh, Mm -hmm. out and outright rich, but we weren't uh, also similar to what you're saying. You know, we were, were, uh, at least we could afford, like my dad, my parents could afford uh, decent enough schools for me or, uh, you know, uh, even, even to pursue music, I could do that. But there are so many people who don't get that opportunity at all. Uh, yeah. So in that sense, yeah. So that that uh, that privilege is is there, um, and you know, I'm, I'm actually grateful that that happened because otherwise you don't know where you would uh, end up.
2: Right. And what about the? I know um, India became independent a long time ago. However, are there vestiges of colonization still? Are there any? Are there attitudes <laughs> like towards the um, the? The people that colonized, like the Brits, I mean, are there any vestiges left over?
0: Yeah, so uh, I mean, it's 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 so India is uh, I don't know what uh, so it's dual in that sense. I don't know what's the exact word, but you know, it's it's so because the urban India right now is influenced a lot by West, uh, you know, and and also there are people who are struggling. Um, in terms of there's a huge uh, contingent of people who are forcing or not forcing but who are promoting or encouraging Indian culture Um, and you know but when you see somebody on TV and if they're wearing some sort of clothes and you want to wear uh, it's it's but natural that it's going to you know uh, influence you so but when you go to the rural India it's different Uh, many of them are still uh, you know I would say like although they have the Uh, SMSs and the mobile phones, et cetera, but they're still, in terms of having a joint family and such things still exist in rural India. So it's almost as if there are almost two sets of India, um, uh, you know, coexisting at the same time.
2: So I always think of the word, the caste system. Um, Is is that applicable in what you're describing now?
0: Uh,
2: It It doesn't have to do with religion or economics?
0: Uh, No, so there is, I mean, I'm not an expert, but it's multi-layered in that sense because, um, so what happens is, so what I was talking about was the urban-rural sort of, I wouldn't say divide, but the situation in urban versus rural India. um, You know, in in terms of many of the jobs coming only in the urban places, uh, you know, very few jobs trickling down to the rural area. So you've got all the rural population sort of migrating to the urban areas and then having to... Uh, you know, be stuck in sort of substandard spaces because there's just too many people. Uh, And, you know, sometimes they would be leaving their town or wherever they were. They might have had a good house, decent roof over their head. But here they come and struggle, you know. So that's such stories are there. But there are different layers of, um, uh, you know, caste system. There is economic disparity. Uh, Yeah, there's whole tons of stuff that sort of coexist but still, uh, you know, like a juggernaut or, you know, still life sort of churns and things move on. You know, I, I mean, somehow it does. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so so um, when did you discover improv and what was oh, that okay. like for you? And, and, and I know, like myself, you've been taking a lot of workshops and classes and performing yeah. online now. But when was your first intro? And tell us about your, what you did.
0: Yes, so, um, so, what I was, so, uh, so I actually, in terms of proper improv, and taking, like, the first workshop that happened in early 2019, but before that, you know, this acting bug again bit me, um, you know, because I couldn't totally forget that uh, I had a fantastic time when I was growing up acting and stuff, so I had already taken some workshops in theatre, um, you know, like, uh, you know, normal, like, scripted theatre, so I used to, uh, you know, I used to I had taken some workshops there. Um, but that didn't sit well with me because um, I wasn't very comfortable uh, memorizing lines. It, it became very tough. And, um, you know, and, and I, I almost sort of uh, withdrew because of that. But in the meantime, um, uh, so, uh, Nasir, who is one of the co-founders of uh, Improv Comedy Bangalore, um, you know, so he, they had put up some ad on social media that was, I think, in late uh, or mid-2018. And I was just interacting with him and trying to figure out what or what not, you know, like, uh, because I didn't know much. Then at that point of time, he sort of, I think, suggested that it's something similar to whose line is it anyway, and such stuff. But then I was still desiring. Then one fine day, I saw their workshop uh, over a weekend. Uh, I was like, you know, I have nothing to do over this weekend. Let me go and see. Um, and luckily, that workshop was taken by Lakshmi. Lakshmi Priya, who's also from.
2: Uh, oh, yeah, she's uh, wonderful, isn't she? She's terrific.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's, she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, and I got hooked, um, and they were so, she made it such a safe space. Um, and even your failures were not sort of, you know, they were sort of celebrated and, you know, uh, such stuff. So, yeah, I got hooked. Then then I started editing their jams. Uh, and I start, um, and it was a very gradual process because actually what hooked me on is one is that me doing improv myself, but when I was watching these super talented people, Bala, Nasir, uh, Arjun, Lakshmi, it it just, you know, it was sort of having a magnetic thing. It just drew me even more like, um, they're doing such a wonderful job on stage. uh, So I kept going on for jams. Uh, Then finally I took like a a full-fledged 10 week uh, workshop with Nasir to understand the nuances. Um, And that was in late 2019. Uh, and then we I had just joined the beginners cast, um, you know, so basically uh, what we used to do is um, we had, um, we used to play these uh, theater sports, uh, you know, short form basically. So theater sports and all such stuff we used to play. Uh, so we used to go to different uh, venues and, you know, do this, uh, you know, play theater sports. So I was a part of that beginners cast. And then this uh, thing happened, the pandemic <laughs> lockdown. Uh, and then I think all our world sort of changed. I became topsy turvy. Um, yeah, and then from then is where um, there was an exponential rise of my involvement in improv, um, Just because I was stuck at home and I had this and I was capable of doing workshops with all these fantastic people all
2: I know you've done um, <clears throat> interviews with people like Jay Suko, one of my favorite improvisers, and, and have been all over the place, and yeah. uh, and David Escobedo, and some great yeah. folks all over the world that are really helping to bring improv everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you, you, uh, you are you still in shutdown over there? What's going on with your um, situation?
0: Yeah, so I think many people we're just being cautious. Uh, people have started going out. Much more than probably say two, three months before. But uh, I think still people are cautious because I think there, so here as well, the first round of vaccinations for the health healthcare workers have started. Um, so I think that's somewhere, you know, it's giving right. the confidence to people to just move uh, on. So I think we'll be, I mean, uh, you know, in terms of uh, Improv Comedy Bangalore, we are actually planning to at least go to a park and, you know, finally figure out how to do physical improv again because it's been so long. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's wonderful! That's wonderful, yeah. and have enough space between you. So uh, many of us, myself included, we just get all. There's like this aha moment when we have our first improv class, or we see improv. Something gets sparked inside of us that might have been there all the time. Like, oh, you don't have to memorize lines, but it's acting mm-hmm. and it's fun, and there's laughter. And so, you know, I started taking classes a lot, a lot in the beginning as well. And still now I take a lot of classes because of the availability of online. But I know you have some philosophies and I think you may even have some a mission that you'd like to do with improv. So I guess I want to start with this is kind of heady, but what is your philosophy about improv and how has it changed your life?
0: Um, you know, so... Uh, So when we so basically, I was exposed to all these improv grades only after the lockdown. So I didn't have any theory of improvisation or anything of that sort. And even with and I spoke to Nasir about this. Um, So even improv comedy Bangalore didn't follow just one school of thought of improv. It was not like character based like Groundlings or a game of the scene based like UCB and nothing like that. So it was just uh, you know organic mix of so many. Um, uh, different schools of thought. So I actually didn't know most of the stuff. Um, So, but what, so basically how I understood is based on my experience. So every time I used to perform, uh, I used to be able to be more of myself the next time. I used to feel more comfortable of being, um, um, you know, silly on stage, uh, losing a little bit of inhibition, being more vulnerable, uh, although in very small bits because I was an introvert, so it's, you know, to pull back a lot um, yeah but you know that happened um, and then you get to meet such wonderful people so it was basically what was happening is just by doing improv it started affecting my life positively in many ways and I feel that there's a you know a big uh, parallel between the two um, so if you want to get good in improv like and I, I think I was talking to David about this but like you know generally what people tell you is take care of your scene partner be in the moment be authentic be yourself and if you start doing that you feel comfortable enough to do it in your life as well when you're doing it on stage um, at least in most of the places so that experience actually triggered me to do it even more um so you know that that aspect was there um and i feel that that's that's the best improv that can be uh, you know when you just get yourself fully totally immersed on stage and that that uniqueness is not there with anybody else so what a Marbo can do i can't do what i can do nobody else can do right so yeah that, and, that's and what about
2: i i think there's a lot to be said about not going through all kinds of levels and all kinds of experiences to be a good improviser and to have fun with it and enjoy it um so i know in the beginning i was trained by somebody who worked with Del Close and, and comedy sports and all of this. And it, it got, and there was actually some rules that we were supposed to follow, but then I read Mick Napier and his book talks about like getting rid of the rules. So that was a relief for me. And, but do you see it as um, do you have a mission right now? Do you think with you, with your improv life is, or are you just in it for the fun and play? What, what do you think?
0: um so i you know so based on what all i have um learned i think improv can be a very good tool uh, to be used especially for kids and youth when they're growing up uh to uh you know ha- i wouldn't say help them open up as such but it it, it just to allow them to be themselves sometimes there is just so much restriction from society from parents um you know but so this is sort of needed because uh, you know um And in India, I don't think, I mean, in in India, improv is nascent in any case. Uh, So there's not much of improv anyway. But whatever is there, I don't think this aspect has been tapped. Uh, And I see, uh, you know, Canadian uh, national games happening and, you know, many uh, high school improv teams having sort of competitions or whatever. And actually, that's a very positive way of uh, utilizing your energy, right, for for kids, uh, you know, and then um, uh, youth as such. So I wouldn't say that it's like a mission, but that is something that's in the back of my mind that I want to explore because right now I've just been here for two years. Um, So I'm I'm not in a position to say that I want to do this or do that. But I think eventually um, that is something I would like to be associated with. Um, You know, that is in terms of uh, physical improv. Uh, But in terms of online improv, what we did... Two three months back, with the improv comedy Bangalore, is just set up a Facebook group, a simple Facebook group, um, wherein we got all our friends along, um, people internationally who supported us and who encouraged us. Um, And I want to keep that going because um, uh, you know eventually I think all of us will get back to physical improv, uh, and the frequency of online improv will decrease. But I still want to have those connections, uh, that knowledge transfer, those experiences. Uh, you know, and that's the reason we probably set up that Facebook group, is so that that relationship can still continue, and we can still get together and discuss improv, uh, learn from each other, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, do uh, ten minutes with Jesuco again next year as well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know for myself, there may be yes, we're going to be back in the studios or theaters or whatever, but this using Zoom is going to continue or whatever platform we're using because I have students that are from different parts of the country that yeah. are able to come in and mm-hmm. I, it, it's just fantastic to connect people now are you yeah. teaching at all or just performing I don't mean just performing but
0: yeah so uh, no so I started just started taking jams uh, because uh, you know I till recently I was not I was not feeling confident of doing that but with all these learnings uh, I've started you know hosting or facilitating jams rather. Um, so the eventually, uh, the uh, you know the, there is a goal to get into teaching, uh, but I'm not sure it's going to happen very quickly. It's going to take some time.
2: <laughs> well, I think the idea of getting into the school systems is wonderful, and yeah. I, I think that will make a huge difference for, for a lot of people. Oh. And I'm, and I know there's other other uh, companies in India too, in different parts of yeah. India. That oh, yes. are doing improv. Um, I'm I'm at yeah. a loss to think of one right now.
0: Yeah. But, oh, uh, I can I can name them for you. Some of really wonderful improv that goes on is so we have met many of them um, again ourselves in this in this uh, lockdown again. So there's um, uh, so Nautanki Kibaz is in north of India, Gurgaon. Uh, they do a lot of crazy fun Bollywood stuff uh, jams every <laughs> weekend. And I really was, place...
2: I'm sorry, what was that name again?
0: So it's called Nautanki Bars. Uh, you know, it's it's a very Indian name. So I yeah, I'll probably yeah, okay. it. right. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, so it's it's uh, led by Ankur, uh, who's a fantastic improviser, absolutely grounded, and I love to sort of play with him. Uh, and the second one, also in Delhi, is uh, Kaivalya Place, uh, which is run by Varun and his team uh, and Gaurav. They do fantastic. Uh, I mean. So that's like a proper professional improv theater that I've seen in India, uh, where everybody's uh, you know their the main job is to take care of the theater, um, you know. Because in our case, at least in my case, I have a day job and I then do improv. Uh, but in, in in their cases, uh, you know, one takes care of the theater and does improv a lot. So and I absolutely adore what they're doing. Uh, they do a lot of local language improv, which is another thing I'm so excited about because it's going to take improv into the roots. Uh, uh, you know, it, it makes it so accessible because not many people actually are comfortable with English when you go to, um, you know, even tired to cities or maybe rurals. but still, they can still enjoy the essence of improv. Um, and they do that. They do it in Hindi, Punjabi uh, and stuff. So so uh, I really adore what they're doing.
2: I, is I mean, there a it's... company up in, Bang- in Bangladesh? I...
0: Um, I'm not sure. I have seen a couple of people in some of the jams, but I'm not very sure. Uh, uh, I've seen people in uh, you know having in, come in workshops and jams, but I'm not sure of the name of the uh, improv company though. Yeah, right. but I'm sure that there has to be.
2: You know, um, and prior to the pan- and prior to the pandemic, improvisers were going to India and teaching. For example, I don't okay. know, if you know Gary Schwartz. He's a spolen teacher. Right, right, right. And yeah. uh, he's yeah. been there several times. Yeah.
0: True. So, um, so even in improv comedy Bangalore, so that's the only time we used to get international workshops. So we. Uh, past two years I think we have done the Bangalore Improv Festival where we invite people from uh, you know, um, other countries to come and coach us Uh, so, but apart from that uh, Jonathan Pitts uh, um, Second City uh, and Chicago Improv Productions, he was on his world tour so he has come to us twice in two years, like uh, one time each year and I have done a workshop with him when he was in Bangalore and now also on Zoom um, and we have had Rebecca Song, I don't know how you pronounce the name, Rebecca Son, Rich and Rebecca Song from Back Theater. Um, yeah, we have a quite, you know, some few people have come along. And oh, Laura and Gail uh, Donwood Perry were from Europe, uh, absolutely fantastic teachers. Yeah, so we've we been with all of these people.
2: It's terrific. The global effect of it is terrific. Yeah. and. Um, you are just a fascinating person and doing so much. You're just doing great, you know? And I I really, again, think that, you know, you grasp it and we don't need a lot of explanation to improvise and we just kind of do it like the commercial Nike used to say. So, um, so I, and when the world starts opening up again, it's going to be fantastic to be able to travel and get to different areas and and see these people we've established relationships with online, and see them in person, and to be yeah, exciting able to actually. Times.
0: Sorry, I said exciting times for that actually, because uh, so initially it it used to be only people who came. Uh, you know, once they're coming, we used to figure out who they are. But now we would have interacted with them in workshops or in a jam or whatever, and there's already a connection established. So when they come here, uh, or whenever they come here, uh, you know, the impact is going to be even higher because that base is already set up. you know. It's not as if you're trying to figure who the person out is. You already have jam with them. So.
2: <laughs> well, you've been delightful to speak to today. I'm so happy you said yes
0: <laughs> to this Thank interview. Thank you so much Seth, for having me, Margo. Thank you so oh,
2: much for having me. I always love it when we're in the same jam together and you're really fun to play <laughs> with. And um, do you have any words of wisdom, perhaps, for somebody that's thinking about it, but might be kind of introverted, like you described yourself? How, what would you tell them? Yeah.
0: So um, so one thing I want to bring about uh, is so I, I took a lot of uh, advice from Ari uh, from Oslo, Norway, uh, in Bronyiv, uh, Ari Viteller. So he's been a superb inspiration for me. So I take a lot of notes. I just reach out to him and, you know, always pick his brains. How did I do this? Did I do that well? What should I do or what not? um so we were discussing that uh, you know so so i think what's important is to just just face it um you know because i have done this myself wherein you're always in your head and you're so fearful but all you need to do is take that one step to go on stage and then whatever happens happens that's it that i mean it's just a matter of that one step to go on stage in the exactly. laps. That's, exactly. that's, it. that's all it is
2: and don't look back. And the idea that there's no mistakes frees us all from that, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. absolutely.
2: <laughs> well, listen, I wish you a beautiful evening. And Thank I'm you. sure we're going to be speaking together again. And we're also going to be playing together again. I know that.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Margaret. It was, uh, oh, my, nice... my pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.